0: To save this country from right-wing nut jobs, the demon rats are destroying America. I'm, I'm voting, voting to, resist to resist tyranny. No, I'm, I'm voting, voting to resist tyranny. What? You're, you're a, a traitor. traitor. No, no, you're, you're the traitor. traitor. I'm saving America, America from, from terrorists who want to use government to oppress and control, control me. Your politician is a lying criminal. Mine tells the truth. My politician tells the truth. That yours is a lying criminal. Fascist, communist. You're, you're evil. evil. Do you hear yourselves? You're extremists, mere images of each other. No, they're, they're clearly clean. the extremists. Your cult flavors may vary, but vying for control of an institution that derives authority through coercion and violence dressed up as representation is more extreme than questioning the system and the results it's produced. Both sides are so riled up because of the legitimate fear of their perceived enemy seizing control of this violent government authority and using it to violate their rights. I only I want, want to use government violence to force my opinions on others because I'm right and know what's best for hundreds of, hundreds of, millions, of millions of people. What if I don't want to be forced to fund or submit to any government enforced ideology? Whether they swear to care about bodily autonomy while flagrantly violating it or profess to be anti-government while actively supporting massive government you've clearly been 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 brainwashed by fake news and you're both petty tyrants who think you have a right to pick masters for others and take zero responsibility when that fails and people don't like it now would be a good time to stop arguing over which flavor of authoritarian dystopian boot tastes better gagging as they rob your wealth and liberties blind because you're too busy blaming your fellow victims for the crimes and inhumanity of the sociopaths you've been indoctrinated to believe represent you
1: Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, November 8th, November 8th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I just absolutely love, I can't even express to you how much I truly love what we just played right there. Huge shout out to the AM wake up from this morning. It was T-Lab Tuesday this morning where I'm on AM wake up show and uh, Steve and, and pasta played that to start. It is just so incredibly, I mean, it is, I think that's what most people see. I genuinely believe that's what most people right now, not the entire picture, but that people are looking at those on the extreme. And I don't mean extreme in the sense that they're using it, but just the, the furthest reaches of the left and the right. And we could have, there is definitely the extreme parts of that, but that's not how I meant it at that moment, but that the furthest reaches of those parties, we look at them and we go like, why are you still playing this game? Like the average grouping of people in the middle. And then I think there's people like us and the independent media and elsewhere that I, I believe that we're more so, you know, aware of the way it's used against us. It's my opinion. I could be wrong, but I just think that that's such a breath of fresh air and it's so logical and so, Rooted in reality, that I just find it hard to believe that most people don't hear that and go, Yeah, I see the same thing. I want everybody out there to truly question whether or not that's the case right now. Even if you see everyone on the streets and everyone's different and you feel like you're the only one, which may be true, but just ask yourself could it be possible that we all see the same thing that both the left and the right are all lost inside this paradigm? And that's a fringe grouping of people that they present to you as the majority. You just a few percentile are that's a lot of people. You could very easily make that the case by just simply projecting it a certain way. Think about the COVID 19 illusion and how we all pointed out that if it wasn't for the media, if the media didn't exist in the form it was today, would you would how would they ever have made that happen? How would you ever known what they were screaming about? You look out your window and it all looked fine, didn't it? Which doesn't mean it is, but the case is that we now know that they were lying about a lot, if not everything that happened. And so the point is, if it wasn't for them, would that have even been possible? Ask yourself that about, because we're going to talk about the election today, just in a brief point to show you the ridiculousness of it all. But we have an important show today in regard to the election chaos. I think it's entirely engineered. If not, you know, meant to, you know, I guess the same point meant to drive this into the ground so it can be pointed out on all sides and say, see, this is why we need whatever fill in the blank. Next solution comes out of the problem reaction preface. But I think at this point we can clearly see that there's an evolution to all of this. And we're going to talk about how that's happening. We're going to talk about the the machines and the ballots and all the different stuff that's literally exactly what everybody thought was going to happen. And, oh, what do you know? It's all happening, even though we aren't allowed to question the integrity of the election. We're going to talk about foreign policy and just the belligerence of it all that continues. But I I pushed a lot off the show today just so we could finish with the important part that is a massive study done by Kaiser Permanente of 300,000 cases and what it shows you. Just in general, what you already know, that what we're seeing today, again, it could very well just be whatever they're making that to be, flu or nothing. But that Omicron, what's in front of us, their study shows is 10 times less dangerous than the flu. On top of that, that people that have never gotten an injection are faring exponentially better. It's like big surprise. That's everybody who's barely looking past the narrative can see that there's some of that happening. This is showing you that people that have no injections in their body have it like a, a dramatic the, the, the severity of this is going dramatically down from from something that, by the way, was always about a flu problem, if not less, if that's even what's there again, because I can point back to the beginning in regard to pneumonia and flu being combined, a PCR test rife with false positives. All these have been admitted to, mind you, for those who may be new to the conversation literally admitting we just saw a big discussion about the pcr test and how it's basically a coin flip and these are the things we were censored for saying in the very beginning the point has always been if it was really the biggest pandemic of a lifetime why would they have needed to combine flu and pneumonia why would they have needed the very liberal count just to be safe which even then was not even as much as they claimed it was or the numbers or the risk or everything infection fatality rate versus the case fatality rate Uh, relative risk reduction versus absolute risk reduction. All these points played a factor in making this look worse than it was. How is that even possible if it's the biggest pandemic of a lifetime? We all know this, that we're paying attention. But the, the important part about this is that this is something that is reaching the average person now. And that's why the people, the whole amnesty conversation, is my opinion, is meant to really drive a wedge in between people that are questioning this. I'll give another shout out to the apps, the great work on Substack that Scott's been doing. Make sure you check out the article about the amnesty that came out today. It's very important. But to start off in general, I want to make a shout out to Carrie Wedler who I, I just it really just can't give high enough praise. She really does see through it. And I maybe that's exactly why anti-media was wiped off the map way before people were even aware this was going on. I think that they can sense that. And, that, you know, not to, I think people that are objective and see through the paradigm are the biggest threat to what's happening to them. And that's why they go after people like that. That's why you don't see people like that, that rise up, I mean, ask yourself even why that's how that's even possible. Why doesn't somebody like a James Corbett ever rise up into the conversation or get invited on these talk shows? I mean, how's that? Because it doesn't suit that the agenda. And even people who you argue may be fighting for medical freedom and so on, the larger people in the left and the right a- area are always still invested in the left-right paradigm. That means no matter what, there's a level of dishonesty somewhere in there. You may not agree with that, but that's the reality you that's what we're seeing across the board so just a really great clip here that i hope you guys will share oh and one thing before i jump into the election stuff i wanted to just keep i keep forgetting to make this point the links on the shows now this is the show from november 2nd have been looking different i'm sure many of you have noticed really quickly i believe i'm already going to go back to the way i was doing it before the reason it's like this is because the it's easier i can have these up before the show goes live When they look like this, it's using the bookmark, the the bookmark settings, and I can just copy it and post it. The problem is that they don't have the link and they have like the title and it can be kind of hard to look at. I don't end up having the the categories in there and so on. So let me I mean, I guess it's not even let me know what you guys think. I guess I was going to ask that. But the point is, essentially, I plan to go back but that means that I have to go one by one, copy each one, paste it, then copy it, then paste the whole thing. And it takes a little bit of time and it ends up dragging it out. And that's why sometimes it doesn't happen until the next day. And on that note, the show from yesterday or the last show we did, unfortunately, I accidentally closed the window and lost all the tabs. I didn't have it saved. And so that's why the links are not posted. Now that's one of the reasons why this version is a little bit better in in the flow. But either way, let me know what you think, I guess. If you guys are okay with this version, but I do understand why it's hard for some people. But I also, last point is how frustrating it is that I get a lot of criticism despite it always being there. (laughs) There, I mean, there's very few people that even post links at all. And yet I get pushback when it's different or more problematic. And I get it. We've raised the bar and I want to beat that bar. So I'm sorry if it was more complicated for people, but realize the links will be there. Sorry for the ones before. But let me know what you think. on If you like this version, maybe I'll change my mind. You know, just as you guys can see, it's just a little different. Any case, let's start off with the Oh, actually, I forgot. I have a couple points on Elon Musk actually. <laughs> forgot about that. And then we'll get to the election. Really sh- really short cool point here. I just thought this was interesting you guys might want to see the updates in regard to some of these Elon Musk Twitter conversations. This is actually pretty funny. This says Elon Musk confirms, which is probably not news to anybody, that some Twitter employees had actually been selling verification badges behind the scenes under previous management. Now, if there was ever a reason why there is actually some kind of art reality of elon musk standing against the elitists even though he's part of that group you know if there if there's any i don't think that's the case but if there's any reality to that this would be why the kind of insight they don't want you realizing that they're no different than you they're not special they don't have a special blue badge that makes them part of some special society they're just like you and usually not even as intelligent when you really break it down you know the people like the brian stelters of the world or these people on tv that projected themselves as being on the inside they're not Look at him now. I mean, I don't mean pick on Stelter. He'll probably find his way back up into the ranks of some garbage corporate media platform. But the end of the day is they were still selling them to people because people wanted that kind of cloud. Now, it may not have been the high-level people. They probably got it regardless. My point is simply that it's not what it appears to be. I find that hilarious, personally. But it's dishonest, right? So just realize that it's not. And By the way, I don't think it's going to get any better. That's just my sad perspective. Pessimistic, I guess. But here's an interesting thing you might laugh at. I can't actually verify whether this was real or not, but this was posted. Somebody talked about it, and then I did. I was able to find a screenshot of it. But what's funny is I, it's, that's the world we live in today. That one, it's probably very easy. There's probably the entire platforms designed to fake tweets like this. I, I, I didn't even don't even care to look into that. I'm sure that's probably the case. Regardless, I wanted your guys' thoughts on this because really it's a joke, even if it was real. It says users with they, them pronouns in their bio will pay $16 for verification instead of 8 because they identify as multiple people. I just think that's funny. At the very least, it's just meant to be a joke. I highly doubt that would ever become a policy because it's it's not even real. Like, nope, they're not, we all know they're not actually identifying as two people. So it's more of a, a poke at them, which will be used to argue that it was offensive and so on. Either way, I just think it's kind of hilarious the way this is all being played out. That these kind of things, even jokes, will be used to argue it's the right and extremists and the whole thing, which is all the way this is where this is going. I can't just include that because I thought it was funny, but we saw the independent saying having a blue check on Twitter is now like wearing a MAGA hat. You'll know who to avoid. Think about the kind of that is what we're trying. This is where this even overlaps with like the amnesty conversation. These are the kind of people we're talking about now. I get again the point we talked about this morning is. The idea of amnesty should not even be had on a general population scale. We shouldn't be having this debate publicly. It's your choice individually with each relationship between you and them and what you want to do, whether you want to say, I forgive you, or whether you want to say, I accept your apology, but I will never forgive you. I will never forget, but I understand you're trying to make amends or none of that because I can tell you're lying. It's between you. There's not a one size fits all conversation. That's what they want to us to be doing. So we divide. So we fight each other. I think that's as clear as day. But this is... These are the kind of groups that we, in my personal opinion, again, who else just put it this way based on what I just said, that I will never forgive or forget or accept an apology from. Because look at the kind of vitriol they're spewing right now. Having a blue check on Twitter is now wearing a Ma- So first of all, why is wearing a MAGA hat bad? It means make America great again. And you're telling me that literally every person out there wearing a MAGA hat is exactly what you're framing them as? You know how juvenile and ignorant that is? That's that that if we were to say every single person is this color skin is exactly this way, they would lose their minds. But it's OK, apparently, because it's this kind of person this color skin. It's crazy. Not It's not only crazy, it's ignorant, but they're just broad brushing everything because they want to sell things and they want to divide. That's what I think. Now, here's what's funny, by the way kathy griffin who by the way i think i've made clear i absolutely can't stand on like a internal visceral level ever just and again you i mean that's personal you not not even usually something we get into on the show but at the end of the day i just there's something really everything about her makes my makes my skin crawl i hate even to say that but it's real I, i can't i don't know why very few people i think it's because of just how obviously uh Everything she's doing is just about promoting herself and about trying to work her way up from the D-list and be more popular and like shamelessly doing so with Trump and the head cut off thing. Remember all that stuff? And it's just somebody that it's like, you know what it is? I think it's somebody who has clearly lost the limelight and is just so desperate to do literally anything to in in really gross kind of disgusting ways, in my opinion. Regardless of all that, it was all my personal opinion. Kathy Griffin was apparently banned from Twitter for impersonating Elon Musk. Now, here's an interesting example. First of all, to make this very clear, Elon Musk was very, he stated it, that that would be the case. So regardless of whether you agree when it comes to these platforms, that's the line we made in the past, right? It's not, it, it, it does matter in regard to whether these platforms are censoring people because they, you know, posted something, that they, whatever. That matters. If it's stated in their terms of service, it matters that we don't disagree with it, but at least they're going along with what they say they were going to do. And you can feel free not to use the platform. The problem I think is with these platforms on top of the just general censorship is that they do things outside of that. YouTube was obvious, censoring things long before they even had a term about medical misinformation, just whatever they didn't agree with. And then just became a broad category for anything they didn't want people saying whether or not it was in their terms of service. My point here is that Elon was said, if you do this, you will be deleted. And she did it. I think it's because she's desperate for attention and wants to be the one that gets deleted so this can happen. So then they make a big stink about it. See, they're censoring just like before. Well, yes, to a degree, except this is like going on Twitter and doing whatever they explicitly have written down as the thing you're not supposed to do. And then going, oh, they said that. You see the point? But all that aside, is this not still censorship? Right? I mean, regardless of how we're talking about it, is it actually a crime to impersonate someone? And there's a line there right? But I, just the point is interesting and in how this is playing out. Uh, but on top of all of that, I think it's interesting that the right in this case is relishing the fact that she got kicked off. But it's not as easy. It, it would be much a much better example if this, was a, if this was a far left person that just simply said Elon Musk is ugly and then got deleted. I still pr- I would still argue that the right would probably still relish that too and say, yeah, screw them. Well, you know, you never know. I'd be I'm guessing into the wind. But I think this is an interesting development because she was banned personally. I don't like the girl. So but at the end of the day, though, you can see that this can go into a direction where it just kind of flip flops the other way around. Here's one step further on this. Tim pool in response to this guy saying, well, first starting with this guy saying impersonation is not free speech. Fraud is not protected by, by the first amendment. And this is about the same point, right? So There's the argument about how this is not necessarily censorship. Right. And again, I'm not this is a right in the middle example, which is why I'm so interested by it. And again, that's exactly why she chose to do this. She's, oh, don't do that. Well, I'm going to do that. And uh, here's the other point to make, too, is that if it was in the reverse, they would be screaming that it was acceptable. Right. Well, because that that Republican didn't do what the the platform said. Go start your own platform. But now in reverse, she's going to cry foul. You see how this works? The two-party paradigm is the problem today. But it says, this is one of the brilliant tech bros. It's David Sachs guy, uh, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, that uh, brilliant tech bros Musk has brought on to help him run Twitter. His knowledge of the First Amendment apparently consists of reading a Wikipedia article, and it shows. <laughs> Parody is protected speech under the First Amendment, which is correct. Right. But here's the difference. And I'm sorry to go into deep on this. I just this kind of stuff fascinates me is that ultimately she wasn't really doing parody because she changed her image. She changed everything. and It looked exactly like Elon's page and then went on and said a bunch of stuff that was challenging his ideas and making him look stupid. It's not really parody because it wasn't even funny. You were doing this to make an issue to get deleted. That's my opinion. Right. Regardless. But Judd makes a great point. Here's it goes even further. T, Tim Poole steps in and says, if you have advocated for private control by billionaires of media like Musk and social media in the past, then I provide you no consideration when the hammer falls on you. You're going to love this kind of like absolutist, you know, where people can't make mistakes. It's like the amnesty kind of thing in my mind, but it says your first amendment arguments mean nothing to me. And I look forward to you reaping what you've sown. Th- this exactly is what you should never be like. Right. So you're, so you know, you don't, like, so you don't care about the First Amendment or you only don't care insofar as that he doesn't get what he wants because he did something before you think is stupid. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Day by day, I have less respect for this person here, but going forward, Jason Bassler ste- steps up, rightly so, and I big respect for Jason Bassler and the Free Thought Project. That's funny, Tim. When our organization, the Free Thought Project, was deplatformed by both Twitter and Facebook on the same day, resulting in a loss of nearly 6 million fans, by the way, same time as the anti-media and Carrie Wedler, you told us we should have just obeyed terms of service and community standards. Oh, how things have shifted. Isn't that interesting how that works? Right? So this is called being inconsistent in your logic and your stated policy, stated perspectives regardless. It's funny how things flip-flop back and forth and the pol- and this is what happens when you're stuck on the two-party paradigm in my opinion. Either way, I think it's meant to be a complete quagmire of nonsense and back and forth it's all leading us the same direction in my opinion it's a pipeline the great reset digital id and meanwhile they get people arguing back and forth about whether this is right or wrong or left and right and at the end of the day it's the same people owning the same things driving you in the same direction i just wish we could all see that that's my opinion and speaking of <laughs> the same things and the same people doing the same driving you in the same direction welcome to election day hooray don't we all love the the smell of democracy in the morning Oh, wait, excuse me. I think somebody left the trash out. That's not democracy. My bad. But here is a great tweet from Off Guardian. The barely contained chaos of the U.S. voting system is deliberately cultivated. I completely agree. It acts as a smokescreen behind which the machinery of corruption turns 100 percent. I mean, it's it's almost isn't it ridiculous that they can like literally everybody has been predicting that this is going to be ridiculous for exactly the reasons that they're screaming aren't going to happen. And then it all happens instantly. The moment this begins this you again, you couldn't if you wrote this as a show, people would be like, well, that's dumb. Like, that doesn't even add up. That's the problem here. It doesn't, and it's obvious, and this is what, it's clumsy. This, in my opinion, is exactly, whether it's meant to drive us into a position where all this melts down and they justify the next thing, or it's just so everybody can accuse everybody everywhere of cheating and nothing ever actually changes, which again, is exactly what they want. I don't know, but this has already started. Scottsdale, Arizona, I've just... Five or six examples, but guys, this is literally anywhere you look right now. Go out there and type in "ballot mix-up" or "ballots discussion" around pretty much every state, and you'll find things like that right now being discussed. People didn't get their ballots; these things aren't happening. Miss, miss machines aren't taking them. It's crazy. But here's the the first clip. This is a lady speaking about her experience. I don't believe we are at this location, and their voting machines are not working properly. They don't count the ballots. You go in to register, they give you a ballot, which takes like 20 minutes, which is ridiculous. You go in, you place, you do your voting, you go in, you give it into the machine and it won't take it. It says misread ballot. Every single person in there is getting a misread ballot. So what happens then? Like what's supposed to happen, by the way, like there's there's another interesting part about this is that people, my brother, for example, wants to go in. He doesn't. Still wants to vote, doesn't doesn't listen to me, but (laughs) he goes in and says, well, I want to scan it because apparently there's the option to to scan it. Somebody catch the box in the chat for me. Somebody tries to scan it or wants to scan it so they can actually register their vote right there in the moment. Otherwise, they have to kick the ballot and they count it later. Which, by the way, how do you even include those two things simultaneously? I mean, that guarantees this is going to be, you know, incongruent. And, you know, these things are counted now. We put those there for now and we wait and we count those later. And then what's the possibility that you forget to stamp it and then it gets counted twice? Or what if you do it on purpose because you like the vote? These are human beings. The point is they're supposed to stamp it as, you know, the one you're not going to count. And then you can scan it and you can leave with that ballot or they throw it away. I mean, there there is an endless amount of opportunity for cheating. And for just mistakes, literally everywhere you look. Now, on top of that, we've got machines that aren't counting properly. And by the way, this is confirmed all across the country. I'll show you right next. There's, there's one where a guy actually comes out and says 75% is all that it's reading. It's ridiculous. But we're just supposed to go along with it, apparently. What happens next? Everybody, everywhere, even if there isn't, who want to make an issue about this, whether they lose or not, are going to say, well, this is what happened, and these machines were cheated on, these people did this. And you know what? They're probably right in every possible way, and it continues anyway. So now they have to drop them into into the box, hand-counted, supposedly hand-counted. My husband's done two ballots. He had to do a canceled ballot. The second ballot he went in to vote, same thing. So every person in that line now that's standing there is not going to get counted properly that we don't know. Right. Or at the very least, we don't know. Right. And this is my problem with this is that if we've seen the last elections where you're they're pulling out boxes full of ballots, like slipping out the side of the box in the middle of the night, which I mean, it's all over. There's are you really going to pretend that that person couldn't just choose to do what they want? Like, what's the idea that we're just, it's like, unjust, you are not allowed to question the integrity of anybody that chooses to work in these small positions that are completely unaccountable. I mean, it, it's just, it's, this is meant to be, and t- speaking of people like, like, uh, uh, pasta from AM wake up, Craig, and the, the conversation we had about this and, and the idea that, that this is designed, I mean, there's places around the world that do this very differently. And you can see that there are situations and the ways that they handle them that are done routinely without problems. And yet somehow, I don't somehow it's designed, in my opinion, that these actions are taken that allow these situations. And I I genuinely think that's the situation. They want there to be doubt. Now, I'm not saying I know why exactly, but are anybody really questioning that right now? Why would these choices be made around the across the board that all allow doubt and question and concern? And then again, with day one, literally everything kicks off and breaks and, I mean, is any is anybody going to take this at face value? Like, let's just say for the sake of conversation that everything goes down as it's supposed to. Like, aside from the glitches and problems, they count and they say, "Yep, yeah, but we still got it all. We can verify every single vote." Eat the people that want to are going to say, "Nope, I don't buy it. You cheated." It's a, which we know happens every single time. Now, for some reason, I couldn't get this video to download. The whole Twitter thing where they do two videos and one tweet. I guess you can only get one of them. I'm not sure. But here, I'll try and play this close. Same kind of thing. This is another guy. Let me turn up the volume.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm at the North Scottsdale United Methodist Church on uh, Tuesday, November the 8th, Election Day, and it's 1033. Uh, I've tried to vote, and neither machine in there, neither ballot machine will accept ballots. There's numerous people in line, and every time it's either rejected or misread. Wow. And they said there's a drop box we can put it in. They said it will be counted. Uh, but I was adamant. I did not want a provisional ballot to be counted in, uh, in case of. I want this ballot to be counted. And I tried to call a Republican uh, National Party in Phoenix and uh, tried to call a number that they gave me inside here 602 506 1511. And it's just uh, endless prompts. uh, Never get to talk to
1: anybody. And the name is Joe O'Neill, Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks, Joe. I mean, there's literally no end. I shouldn't say literally. I hate hate that I do that still. (laughs) There's no end to this. There's absolutely no end. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Here's the guy speaking. Actually, I think I have this one downloaded. Here's the guy speaking about the machines. And and the point, the problem is that what he's saying is that he's only properly reading 75% of these. And yet we're still using them. Like, so are you, how do you know for sure that, well, how about if of a 70% and you're counting the five that's not, I mean, this is unaccountable. I mean, there's probably so many better words to use there, but the idea is that this is, I mean, I almost feel like at this point, if this was happening in any other country, let's just say this was Iran or Venezuela, can you even imagine what the U.S. government would be saying? You know what they'd be saying, and they'd probably call a halt to the whole thing, not this. Right. Same thing. Same, same joke with everything. I saw a meme. That they started disjoint over into COVID. But the idea is like, you know, a, a, a group of, you know, a shipment of lettuce can be shown to have, you know, get like 10 people sick and they recall the whole damn thing. Right. But these vaccines can be reported all over the world. And we go, like, oh, well, let's just keep giving it until we're sure. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Right. It's just it's it, there's obviously an agenda to get this done regardless for the for the meat for whatever they're trying to accomplish and if this was a, a fraction of this was happening in places they wanted to call it out and of course they would and of course i promise you they're going to frame this as republicans just having an issue with the system and not you know it, it as opposed to it not being genuine concerns or that they're not valid concerns rather and if it was in reverse they would be and they'd be conspiracy theories for not acknowledging it it's a joke
3: everybody wants to make sure that it reads and everything is fine can you repeat that I can promise can you. Re- can you start from the beginning yeah. and repeat that? So, what happens is we have two tabulators. One of the tabulators is not working. Okay?
1: The other tabulator is taking
3: about 75% successful. So, 25% of them are being misread. And it could be a printer issue. Wow. Um, or it could be the tabulator itself. So, when it's misread, you have an option to put it into what's called box three. And it gets read, whether it goes downtown and gets read manually or whether wow. it gets refed in into our tabular. You don't want to adjudicate. It get read.
1: No. I mean, this. I mean, does anybody feel good about that? So, are one, are you certain that it didn't get read the first time? Right. I mean, if we're talking glitches and mistakes, how do you know for sure that it didn't get counted? And the glitch is that it said it didn't get counted. I mean, this is just ridiculous. On top of that, you're saying 25 percent aren't being read. How are you so certain about that? Like if there's mistakes happening. And by the way, what about the ones that are being misread? You said misread. You didn't say error, right? So what do you mean misread? Is it, is it marking down the wrong person? Is it tallying the wrong vote? I, I just, I can't even express how ridiculous all this is. And guys, this, this, why is it so bad all of a sudden midterms? Was it that way? I mean, I've always pointed out how ridiculous all this is. And yes, people are more hyper attuned to it right now. But is, I mean, this is like everywhere you look across the board, these things are breaking, not working, not reading, having mistakes. Are we really going to pretend like this isn't at the very least? I mean, what what's new today? What's new with all the machines and all the processes that weren't the same the last election long before? Even though there was some of this, I've never seen it like this so instantly and so across the board. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me.
3: Okay, so no one's trying to... <laughs> Deceive
1: of course not. Not on election day. Okay. Okay. Right. Why would you even say that? Who's here implying that you're trying to deceive anybody? You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, I know it's, it's like coming out when someone you're going. Okay, I'm not lying to you right now. It's like, well, the first thing you're thinking is like probably lying. Not that that's the case, but like, what a strange thing to say. Like the machine's glitching out. We're having errors. We promise you we will do what we're supposed to. And we're going to make sure they get counted. You don't need to go. No one's being cheated here. It's just, ah, yeah. This is a clown show. That would never happen, right? No, that would never happen. So,
3: so choices are, you know, you guys. Sure. If I get up there and that happens to my ballot, can I take my ballot with me and go somewhere
1: else? Kate, she can't hear that. The point is, she's saying, "Well, okay, what happens? Can I just... I want to leave then." I'm waiting in line. I haven't done this yet. I don't even want to engage with this ridiculous process that's broken and apparently only counting 75 or misreading or whatever. I want to go somewhere else. You know, you can't. You're not allowed to leave with that ballot. So now that you've, you've already marked, you can't leave. You have to. You, so you're stuck <laughs> engaging with this system that's completely up in the air at this point. Now, somebody writes in the chat, of course, I smell a call for digital IDs coming. Exactly right. If you haven't picked up on that yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about here. This is all of this is going to drive in a direction where it is something that they claim is, you know, well, here's the here's the funny part. Do you remember when we were talking about blockchain technology a long time ago? And the idea that the point is that you can make blockchain ledgers for things like, I don't know, military spending for voting in a way that you that is accountable, that can be posted publicly, that everybody can see that you can engage with. You can see the, the whole system now that argument still stands and I still argue that in an honest situation that is much better than what we're staring at but I'm super resistant to any of that because of how un I don't trust what they would do with this or how they would alter it behind the scenes we wouldn't even know what the, the bottom line is this is going to be driven in a direction that justifies that kind of step but I promise you it is not going to be Publicly available, everybody can look at any moment. Kind of stuff. It's going to be their system, just like it is now, and you have to trust what they put out from it. I don't know why we would trust that. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I see coming. So the the drive into the digital discussion is not what we would want, because it will be abused like everything else. I don't. I hate to be so pessimistic. I think they've proven that. There's
3: not, there's not a- I don't trust you going to box the box No, no way. Right, right.
1: And the point is, there's every reason to think that. I mean, there's videos abound everywhere you look. Like last so many elections, you can find those videos I just mentioned. Late ballot boxes being dumped in the middle of the night, or like literally having boxes come out of the trunk. The bottom line is whether you pretend that's a problem or not, we know it can be. Because those things, there's a time when they are alone with those things. And that's not how this is supposed to go. Even the discussion of the ballot drop, they're supposed to be with people. but There was numerous videos of people by themselves. Now, it doesn't matter what justification, we're too busy. Well, we had to get it there by a certain time. It doesn't matter. Every right to be concerned about this stuff. Every right. Post-Millennial, or the, uh, yeah, the Post-Millennial points out, breaking voting machines down in New Jersey's Mercer County. Just down in general. Oh, well, guess what? Now you have to put it in the box. Now you have to rely on them counting it themselves. Rife with personal errors, mistakes, and, you know, just blatant cheating. Like, look, if we're going to pretend from either side, by the way, that they haven't made arguments across the board about why these people being elected is like the end of the world, right? From the left side of the of, perceived in the right, what are they arguing? Just like they argued last time. There was an entire article written about some kind of secret cabal that took action to stop Trump, right? Okay, well, that wasn't legal. That wasn't even that wasn't in line with the election. Okay, so why wouldn't they make the same argument this time? Well, they are, in fact. So the idea that we would—it's unacceptable to argue that this person involved might accidentally change the vote for their own benefit because they've been convinced that Trump or any Republican are literal Nazis going to destroy our country, like Biden has actually said. I mean, come on, guys, it's all right in front of you. We're not allowed to question the integrity of the poll workers, right? I mean, it's just, it's a joke. These things are being done like this, in my opinion, to create a situation where these can be manipulated. Now, look, I'm just, I should have said this in the beginning. I, I often do this where I assume that you guys know my previous stance, but I forget that there are new people on the show and so on. What I'm doing by going through all of this is showing you how the situation itself is being shown to us to be broken. Now I truly think it's because of what they want to present. You, I should my my point was I should have been outwardly clear from the beginning for the new people that I don't think this even tally. Your votes don't make a difference in this situation. I'm sorry to say that. I think it's very obvious throughout history. For examples, just like this, Clint Curtis and the past voting machine arguments, the stealing, the manipulation, everything you've seen from Bidens, from Trumps to Obamas to Bush's to all these elections, that they're constantly being shown to cheat and manipulate. That ultimately. It's not your votes don't translate into who gets elected. Now, that doesn't mean that your votes don't have some kind of influence. I don't know for sure. But I do know that we've seen provably that those things get manipulated to the point to where it does not translate into who ultimately goes into power. I just I just I, I know people don't want to accept that on this amazing day of election. But we need to understand that. And, I, I, you know, just at the very least question if that's possible. And if you're not willing to even entertain that idea in that in and of itself shows you something. But back to the point, California election results expected to be delayed for days. Why? Same exact reason. What an interestingly, perfectly simultaneous and total coincidence that it's happening everywhere. Weeks in some Los Angeles areas. My God, weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. The point is they're having issues with the, the, mail, the, 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 the mail ballots, the, the machines. I mean, it's everywhere, everywhere. Same thing here. Davidson County voters expressed their frustration after ballot mix ups. Davidson County officials released a 10 page list of voters who in fact received incorrect ballots and more than 430 voters were given incorrect ballots and cast votes in the wrong places. (laughs) I mean, this is just falling apart left and right ballot return deadline to be extended now in Georgia for over a thousand voters who just not sent requested mail ballots. Now here's an interesting point that I want to include. I mean, this is on uh, November 3rd. I'm sure many people saw this, but realize that there's already been an example. And this is what I think is so hilarious in a macabre sort of way. I guess that's not the right word, but just, you know, it's it's just hilarious because people are ridiculous. But the point that you can't question this, right, especially from a, you know, right-leaning side, you can't question the integrity of the election. How dare you, except Trump was elected by Putin, though. (laughs) That's okay. But the point is there's already been an example of somebody being involved with election fraud. And yes, they got fired. But that doesn't matter in the context of whether it's clearly people are willing to cheat because they've been convinced that this is the most important election of our lifetime. Right. Every time. Dan Dan O'Donnell points out, holy S. Kimberly Zapta, the deputy director of the city of Milwaukee Election Commission. So not some little pollster. This is a big time deputy director of the city of Milwaukee Election Commission was fired for committing election fraud. By obtaining fake military ballots and sending them to Assembly Election Committee Chairman Janel (laughs) Brandjand. Okay, so cheating, right? Knowingly doing so because she wanted to make sure her person won. There's no misunderstanding that and was fired for it. Naked Feet steps in and says, so the Democratic mayor caught it, fired the offender, and the offender is likely to face criminal charges. It seems like the system worked exactly how it should, just like with the Racine fella. If this one official was quickly caught for merely requesting ballots, I'm, okay, you get the point where that's going. Well, first of all, you, if that isn't exactly what happened, you may argue that, but you still have to acknowledge that people in politics cheat. Simple as that. You can say it's 1%, you can say it's 99%, but it happens. Same thing we talk about with COVID and all this stuff, but they nope, nope, fake news, no, nope, can't even ask the question because they don't like it challenged. But here is what science chimes in and says, the Democratic mayor caught it because the ballots were sent to a Republican city council member who alerted authorities. Are you implying that everyone who gets a fraudulent ballot will alert the authorities? I mean, you see the point this guy's at this, and he actually responds this is good point well, everyone's never lie. This is their bad. I didn't see that response either way. I thought he was going good point, but he's not regardless guys. The problem is that this was already done. Now this is no way to suggest that Republicans aren't doing the same damn thing. I, I just don't know why. Now I, I would like to believe that a lot of Republicans average people Perceive themselves as being the side not willing to cheat, and so on. But I, they, they're the politicians, not not even close. One hundred percent, every single one of them across the board, in my opinion, is absolutely willing to do whatever it takes to keep to lie to you to achieve what they want. Call me a pessimist. Prove me wrong. You show me along the process of our elections to now where I'm wrong, and I'll and I'll shut up about it. Oh, but Ryan, this is the one. Okay, the only one out of our history. The reality is, guys, that it's always this way. We're just seeing it more than ever. Milwaukee elections official fired after allegedly requesting military policy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it happened. Well, it's alleged, but she was fired for the alleged, the, the allegation. Yeah, great job, CNN. The point is that they just want to put a little bit of doubt under this, but the bottom line is fired, fired for election fraud. The official. Now, Alfred Dizias, from an international perspective, says what we should all be aware of by now, but somehow can't manage to wrap our minds around. The U.S. elections are such an exercise in window dressing, make-believe, undemocratic rituals. Whether Democratic or Democrat or Republican, we will still get a hawkish Congress that will continue prioritizing war over peace and giving billions to the military-industrial complex. Oh, my God, somebody who can see what's going on. Now, by the way, just in case you forgot who he was, I've interviewed him before. Lawyer and writer active in the field of human rights and international law, served as the first U.N. independent expert on the promotion of a democratic and equitable international order. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And what he does is go, U.S. is not that. Isn't that perfect? Right. So a guy whose literal job was discussing democratic situations, he's going, that's not what the U.S. government is. We need to see this by now. And by the way, most of these large countries in the West are not also are also not in that discussion. But I'm not, I honestly, I don't even see an example anywhere that you could argue is some kind of like, I mean, there are plenty of democracies out there. My point is not to say that there are not situations where people vote and it translates into somebody coming into power, but there are other ways people can abuse these situations. Like especially like we can see from a foreign policy perspective and abusing it that way like the U.S. government does. But regardless of any of that, we can get into a whole international discussion, which i love to have. The point is where we are now, today, and what we're looking at, and we just need to come to grips with what is in front of us as Americans today. We can't change anything if we don't first accept we have a problem. That's step one. As Kavork al and who you guys should be following, as well as, by the way, geopolitics and empire. I just noticed him on the side here. As he says in Arabic, we say... Different S, different same S, different smell, family friendly, so S-H-I-T. And it's the point, same, different smell, endless war, endless war, regardless of what side you pick. That's where we need to be at today, guys, is realize, now I'm not even saying that leads to, we, I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the solutions, but I can damn sure tell you that doing the same thing will not give you a different result. Now, here's the last part on the election discussion today. Here's what CNN politics is writing. Now, just for those, and and again, I'm always willing to consider that I could be wrong in regard to, in this case, whether or not your vote translates. Now, the thing I've always made clear is that if you're ever going, first of all, it's your choice. I'm not telling you not to do it. You want to vote? Go vote. Just like every other thing we talk about. Want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. I'll 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 show you why you're wrong. I'll try to prove to you that you're hurting yourself. Same thing with the voting. (laughs) I will do the same thing. But you have a right to do it if you believe in it. I've never tried to dissuade anybody from doing so. I just try to let them know why I think it doesn't translate the way they think it does. And why in some case it does give the, you're essentially saying, you know, I, I, uh, that you're complicit essentially, right? That you are consenting is the word I'm looking for. That you are, I'm consenting to let you take my name and operate around the world and do all the things that we're talking about that we know they're doing and pretending they're fighting for freedom. That goes for any government out there. It's the same point. But if you're ever going to make a difference, if there is any situation that is still changing what's happening, it's local politics, right? It's school board. Now, I don't know what, what level I think it stops being or if any of them, but the bottom line is if there ever going to be something, it's the local stuff. Because you can argue, you know, if your neighbor runs for school board, that's, I, that's pretty hard to pretend he's working for the CIA. It's certainly possible, right? Or anything else. The point, though, is that you can get people in these positions and you can change stuff from a local level. So that's why I think this article is being written. And what they're essentially turning this into is, oh, the rage against the federal government is now being pointed at the local politics. Not because we want change, but because, oh, they're they're extremists and they just hate politics. They don't like democracy. Right. It's just these clumsy, childish arguments that are completely not rooted in reality. But what's interesting to me is. I think it's because they're genuinely concerned about a, that. And this is I think I've seen a lot of this happening in the Republican discussion, which I think is smart. Turning around and focusing on the local politics, the school boards. I saw this a lot during COVID where a lot of the, the Republican groups uh, in, in, in Tennessee were, were saying, let's focus on the local politics, the school board, the you know the, the city council and do things that way and then work your way up. I mean, that's smart. And that's why I think this is happening. This is October 28th. How rage turned into a tactic in local politics. Americans are used are used to voters being angry at Congress and the president. Yeah. Gee, why? Because they're doing things that make you angry. What's funny, by the way, is that that's, a, that's the majority we're talking about there. But there's a new vein of anger directed at local officials and a nationwide coordination in campaigns to recall or imi- imi- intimidate county supervisors and school board members. Think about the Clay Travis and the the open you know the, the statement that was made that echoed around the country and was used to argue that the 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 right as well as independent media were threatening school board members i was there when that happened i was right in that same meeting i thought it was pretty interesting the way that happened but regardless i think what this shows you first of all is they're pointing at democracy they just don't like it just like the other times right where they go well you know all these these republicans are are campaigning to get these different people in and that's a problem so you don't like democracy then now Let's just say that these were all open Nazis, right? Open, like flag-carrying, marching Nazis, as ridiculous as that is in the context of what we're talking about. Let's just say for fun, that's what it was. And then let's just say 90% of Americans voted them in. That's democracy. This is why there's a problem here, because people can be manipulated. People can be radicalized, like we know the government and the media are actively doing, while calling the objective and and nonpartisan people, the extremists. It's ridiculous. Now we're gonna get to a point about Israel in a minute that makes this point even more clear. Because that's what just happened in Israel's election. An overwhelming number of people in the country voted in the most extreme racist people you could possibly imagine. We'll talk about it in a second. But what's interesting is that they don't like that, they don't like what they're seeing. Or at least they're framing it like that. But it contradicts what they already said. We we want democracy, except when they vote this way. (laughs) Like, think about how dumb that is. And it's right on the surface. But it goes on to say, by the way, the intimidate county supervisors. That's just simply what they're. These are people that are going and saying, how dare you force my son to take an injection that will kill them? How dare you make my daughter wear a mask? That's anger, not intimidation. The problem is that they're trying to frame it that way when these people are not actually representing their constituents. Now, I don't know that in an across-the-board situation. I promise you there's some intimidation happening, but that's not what they're really pointing at. They're pointing at people trying to change things on a local level. With the unapologetic use of threats and violence, which, by the way, let's just look at the link and see what they're pointing at. First on CNN election workers to be trained with deal-to-deal. De- oh, got it. So not even an article pointing at any actual violence. An article talking about how there will be violence and how we're training them to deal with that. <laughs> Great job, CNN. What a dumpster fire these people are. But the point, that's their, their source. With the unapologetic use of threat. If you have a sentence like that, you damn well better prove it, not point to how you're training people to deal with the thing you say might happen. That's disgusting. But it says, it signals a more confrontational local politics, and it may be driving local officials. Okay, so local officials are responding to the people that, I mean, show me where a crime is committed. First of all, what's intimidation? Is there a crime taking place? Are you just simply saying that them saying you better do what you promise? That's intimidation to them. You know, it is. We've already seen this happen. The point is that they're pointing at all of this and they're saying, well, oh, these officials are changing. Other people are getting into power and we're not OK with that. Well, guess what? That's democracy, CNN. CNN's uh, Kyung Law, a national reporter based in Los Angeles, has encouraged encountered, excuse me, the anger in her reporting from around the country. And here's what's funny. She has put together a new documentary about what she experienced. Now, let me, how much you want to bet this has not the fact that she just organically picked this up around the country and goes, I'm going to make a documentary. How much you want to bet CNN said, we want you to make a documentary. Go find this. <laughs> That's the way that actually works. They want to frame it, though, to where as if she just had this organic idea about what I was experiencing. That's not what's going on. She has put together a new documentary, Perilous Politics, America's Dangerous Divide. Literally what their job is behind the scenes. And this is the point that that actual documentary is meant to divide. That looks at how angry and, confronta- and confrontation are infiltrating, anger and confrontation are infiltrating Main Street America. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Maybe because you're calling MAGA people the threat of the Nazis that are going to destroy the country. Yeah, no, no, that can't be it. It can't be the, the highest authority in the country framing 50% of the country as threats and terrorists. That can't be it, right? Nah, because didn't mention it, so it must not be the case, right? We just, how can you even write stuff like this and not pretend, or how about the fact that when you actually watch this stuff or read what they're talking about, there's not a single mention of any left violence, despite the fact that that's just as prevalent, if not more. Then it goes on under noticing a new rage. And this is, of course, an interview going back and forth between Wolf Blitzer and this journalist. But it says, as a field reporter, I was seeing this type of rage at the local level, and that has usually been aimed at the federal level, the national level, anger over how Congress is working or that the federal government is coming to take our guns. Right. Because that's happening. Because these people are not representing you. And what they're doing is literally unconstitutional. Like the idea that it's wrong for people to be angry at powerful people who aren't listening to what you want when they pretend they're representing you, who are forcing you on quarantine and forcing you to take medical injections. I mean, oh, yeah, gee, I wonder why they're angry. And the idea that taking your guns is literally what they're doing. The, this isn't even a joke anymore. They are openly discussing how they want that to be the case. It's everywhere. But just because it doesn't happen, your conspiracy theorists are pointing at what they just said, apparently. Now what we're seeing is the wheels of democracy that are most intimately aligned with your average person, your school, your city, your local election, all of that becoming the focus of extremism. There it is. And extreme anger. There's no examples, you see. This is just narrative. But when you actually look at the information, what you see is that these people are getting elected. The people that were previously there don't want to be in the position anymore. Now you could say that's because they're scared or being intimidated. But the bottom line is people are being elected and they don't like that. The big the the wheels of our democracy, like they only care about what they want. The democracy is only when they want people elected. And that happens. Right. When they don't want Trump and he gets elected, that's not democracy. That's, that's Russia. That's how dumb this is. And what we're seeing is the same with is the same rage, that ugliness in the national level across those spokes of democracy, jamming in the small spokes of democracy. Right. So is it the same as the democracy taking place in Ukraine? There's sure as hell violence guiding that democracy. Right. You though know, that's not what we're talking about. Of course not. But, you know, just anger over here. Oh, extremist. But make sure they fund those Nazis over there to keep the freedom rolling. It is it is having a significant impact on how our communities function. Wolf says, I love this too. It's not great. This is a question by Wolf, the journalist. A lot of these threats that you document were inspired by COVID 19. <laughs> Therefore, I've stated that fact with nothing to back it up. Let me then pose the question Have they dis- dis- dissipated with the end of the pandemic? Don't you love that? A lot of these threats are because of COVID. What, can you quantify that? Can you prove your statement? Nah, they don't need any of that. Narrative. Now, question based on narrative. Go. This is the current state of corporate journalism well the pandemic's over have their craziness dissipated because you know what they're saying is the right in their minds there's no there's no pandemic madness from the left no 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 it's all the right no they've changed for example in this county first it was masks and then it became critical race theory this large bucket item of critical race theory fueled by conservative media yeah because it's totally un- it's totally allowable and totally unjustified for them to take issue that, sh- I, that didn't make sense. It's totally unjustified for them to take issue with the fact that you're literally few- teaching children racism. You're, you're literally training them to hate white people. I mean, if, just in case you haven't looked into this, these are the, the, some of the things from critical race theory are that you, if you're white, you are racist. And if you're not white, then you can't be racist. That's literally what it's saying. This, this is woke madness. And the point is that they have an issue with that and teaching their kids to be racist. And that's extreme. Oh, and they were talking mask, extreme. Not even their own people agree with this stuff. It says, and then it became transgender rights. Right, so it's not transgender rights. It's the fact that you have dancing naked stripper trans people in front of our children pretending to read them books. That's the problem, but you make it transgender rights. Like we're concerned about the fact these people can exist. Some of them may be, but that's not the issue across the board from the general discussion. But it says it's happening everywhere. Right? How dare they have opinions about how their children should be raised? What extremists? I hope our viewers walk away with this understanding that while we've stopped in these communities, while we've stopped in these communities, it is a problem that is ubiquitous in American society right now. Viewing violent threats as a legitimate form of pressure. Okay, what about Antifa? What about Black Lives Matter? What about the idea that sometimes it takes a little bit of... I mean, the, the hypocrisy is overwhelming. They've talked about this left and right across the board. Their kind of violence is acceptable, but we can't have intimidation. You see, they're not even talking. You point to me where somebody has actually violently done something in this context. They they don't even have their own examples. But what they're saying is that's where it's going. Oh, no. No. That guy's a little too excited about the fact that his children's being taught to be racist. He's going to become a violent terrorist tomorrow. Except let's promote this Black Lives Matter violent protest that's led into a lot of people breaking windows and doing all sorts of stuff that they don't talk about. Now, of course, that's not everybody, just like it's not everybody on the other side. But it's hypocrisy. People are leaving local government. Okay. Is that... I mean, this is democracy. This is the point. Same point. Is the end of the day, they're choosing. Nobody's dragging them out by the neck, right? Even though some of them deserve that, and I'm not calling for violence. These are the people who deserve a voice. Okay. So what they're ultimately saying is you don't, right? You people with your anger and your opinions, you don't deserve a voice. Who deserves a voice are the local politicians. The people who are being boxed out, essentially, who are being voted out. We need to make sure their voices get amplified. And there's your illusion of media, where they we're going to make them more prominent, and suddenly they appear more prominent. That's what's happening. Now, this is a problem for them, that you're leaning into local politics. Don't be what they think you are. As Wall Street Silver points out, just to make sure we understand left-right illusion, the federal budget last year was $6.8 trillion, or about sixteen point eight trillion. Billion dollars a year. Now, yes, it's gone up a lot since Ukraine as well. But that was the same way during Trump. Every single year, the same way with Obama. It just increases with every reason and everything they're doing. It's the same thing. The thing that never changes is exactly what you're looking at. And war. That means the government would spend the entire wealth of Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk in under two weeks. A wealth tax of a hundred percent on the entire Forbes 400 list wouldn't even pay for two months of spending. You ima- can you even imagine what that money would do for the American people? Yeah, c- in case you thought that was what was happening, no, that's not what's happening. The vast, vast, vast majority is war, endless war under the guise of freedom that's being used to keep you in check, which now in fact is being aimed at your body. It's disgusting. Now, to talk about Ukraine and foreign policy before we finish with the discussion of omicron and the very important study breakthrough news points out and again this is the same context of what we're just discussing about the very government that we're pretending is about democracy the world says no to the illegal u.s blockade of cuba for the 30th year in a row in case you misheard that for the 30th year in row where they vote and the vast majority of people go no we don't agree with what you're doing now don't forget that throughout that 30-year period Every single moment they can, they stand up and argue that the world agrees with what they're doing. Because you know, don't forget, Bolton's called them the Troika, the tyri- or what do you call it, the Troika of tyranny. That was Cuba, I think Venezuela, and what was the other one? Iran, maybe I think it was Iran. The point is that that's if you're going to stand up and act like the the international community agrees that Cuba is a threat to terror terrorists, that's what they do every single time. Except there's your reality right there in front of you. The vote was 185 to two with two abstentions, with only the US, Israel, and Brazil, or excuse me, the US and Israel voting against stopping it, with Ukraine and Brazil simply abstaining. Think about how stark that is. It's illegal. You're hurting people. You know who, who suffers from a 30 year blockade? The average people. Clearly, the government's not problematic. 30 years will go to 30 years. But the people suffer. Welcome to the future of Syria. Welcome to the future of any of these locations where they're going to maintain this. Look what's going on in Syria. You know, long, they've stopped a set. Well, they're still doing what they're doing on the ground, stealing, burning wheat fields, taking oil. But they're maintaining destabilization. That's what's happening. It's happening in Yemen. it has been decades in Yemen. It's still happening. It's still just a casual discussion of the worst humanitarian crisis in the world. No big deal as they're openly and illegally blockading the flow of food and water and medicine, or rather just, you know, food and water and then attacking the water infrastructure. Yeah, that's that's a public discussion. But, but democracy and freedom, though, right? Because we care about human life. I'm speaking as the disgusting governments, right? Think about how crazy this is. As he points out, the only countries to not vote against the blockade, Israel, Ukraine, Brazil. And then it, it says the... Oh, and and the U.S., yeah, obviously, yeah. That's the point. It's a U.S. blockade. These are the criminals, guys, at the end of the day. And I'm not saying any other governments, for the most part, are any better. But from an American perspective, these people are doing bad, wrong. They are hurting people. There is no benefit to national security, to you, to anything happening here other than to control many different things. And there's a whole discussion to get into when it comes to Cuba. But you know the conversations we've had about what's happening with Yemen, Venezuela, the idea of what they're ultimately trying to do. And one of the main arguments is to keep things problematic so the government doesn't have, one, a successful country to point at. So you can always go look at how bad it is. Look at what their their terrible governance is doing to the people, even though it's them, just like with Iran and everywhere else. On top of that, it keeps their people unhappy, so they pressure the government to change, if not want somebody to step in and remove them. This is called regime change. It's not about democracy. It never has been. Now, Sarah Abdallah points out this while they lecture the world about human rights. The U.S. drops an average of forty-six bombs a day. Why should the world see the United States as a force for peace? The U.S. has dropped at least three hundred thirty-seven thousand bombs and missiles in twenty years, and now clutches its pearls over Russia. Now, no one's trying to argue that what Russia's doing is is what well, you know. You can't, everyone should have their own opinion here. At the end of the day, we have that right. I don't support war in any sense. As I've always maintained, I don't support that because what's going on at the end end of the day is killing people. But it's completely understandable why you can see what Russia did. Because they've been forced into that position. You could argue there's different things that could have been done. But who knows? At the end of the day, when you're driven there, when you're murdering people on the ground, as I'm speaking as the Azov movement and so on, the Donbass region, well, they're obligated to do something about that if you believe their arguments. Still, I don't agree with war. But you can understand why it happened. And here we're looking at a situation where they're screaming and crying foul while doing the exact same thing everywhere else. That, those are bad people. And on top of that, the US government just sent the Ukrainian fascists 400 million more dollars in weapons. 400 million more. I mean, how much? What is it? It's just an endless tally. Trillions and trillions of dollars just flying over there. Even though we all know what's really going on. And guys, this is the Azov movement. As of November 5th, in the United States, speaking with MSNBC, now, this is not a joke. And this is literally what this is. And we can point out and clue. This as I usually do, not just Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948 when it was the OSS. This is the reality. And it's all documented, just like with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. This was a plan and it built. it's still going right now. And they're basically public about that. On top of that, these people, the Azov movement, which is a movement, as I've made endlessly clear, and as usual, pretty early in the conversation. So now it's only just now bubbling to the surface and all of our extensive work on it's going to be ignored (laughs) until the bigger guys point at it. But the point is that this is very obvious and always has been that these people are fascist neo-Nazis and, in fact, actual Nazis. They're they're across the board. They are at high level positions in the government. They are the police force. They are the the it's, it's I mean, I've gone over this extensively. And have their international arms. It's not just some little regiment. If they've got an international representation and politicians that do so. Right. We've seen them. The Charlottesville March, the Rise Above Movement. That was the Azov movement's international arm. Newsweek wrote about it for crying out loud. They've got presence in Germany and all around the world. So when you see that that march used to argue the right are Nazis, and then realize the CIA has been the group that funded them, who then ended up having an international arm that created that march, gee, could it possibly be organized? It's everywhere. But normalization of Nazis, exactly. And Wyatt Reed points out, last year, and this blows my mind, that this wasn't, I mean, it shows you how controlled the media is. Only two countries, the US and Ukraine, voted against a U.N. resolution that simply condemned the glorification of Nazism. That's not a joke. I couldn't believe it didn't get more discussion when it happened. The, of all people, the U.S. and Ukraine, while we're literally going, Ukraine is literally overrun by Nazis and fascists, and they vote against the, the, condemning that and the, nothing, no comment. Guess what? This year, it was 52, 52 different countries voted against condemning the glorification of Nazism. How do you even, how, I mean, how do you even make sense of that? Of course, it's going to be all the people you expect. There is a major push to normalize Nazis, but it's not coming from Kyrie and Kanye. It's coming from our government. What's interesting, you can look through these and see some obvious, interesting choices like Israel. Right? How can you even explain that? Anyway... The point is, guys, this is not what it looks like, and it never has been. And here's a, an insulting example of how they project what they want you to see as Mel, uh, Melanie Jolie from the, uh, I believe it was, she's Minister of, Foreign, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Canada. On the International Day to end impunity for crimes against journalists. Really? We won't let journalists' censorship, persecution, and deaths be invisible to society. Except when we do it, except when we don't want you talking about it, right? Except when it's Julian Assange, except, 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 right? But we're just going to sell you on that while funding Nazis who are literally murdering journalists in real time, or in fact, bombing locations where they are like with Eva Bartlett. And that was the same group I'm talking about, but she's alive is my point. She chimes in and says, it says, we believe that knowing the truth is protecting the truth. Guys, people are disgusting. This is my, this is my point. That is the worst of the worst of the worst. Do you believe that Melanie Jolie doesn't know about Julian Assange? you pretend that she doesn't isn't aware of how Canada is actively persecuting journalists that just don't say what they're supposed to? That they're censoring people for saying wrong things? I mean, this is crazy. So these people are worse than the ones that actively stand up and say, I do bad things. Because they're bad too. If these people do bad things then stand up and go, I do good things. Disgusting. Like the worst of the worst. Eva Bartlett says, then don't just virtue signal. Tell Ukraine to shut down, uh, I forget how to pronounce this, Myro Travorits. It's the website where they have a list of journalists that they want to kill. And I mean, all sorts of people on there. Countless journalists, herself included, along with 327 children and Ukrainian civili- civilians, activists, political figures. And it's openly been used to take people out. I did a whole segment on this. But apparently she doesn't know that because she's either too stupid to see what's happening or actively doesn't care. Either way, she shouldn't be somebody who's telling people what is right and wrong. But Ukrainian's president's office calls on the world to recognize Iran as complicit. Isn't isn't this just completely expected? I mean, the whole drone conversation has actually been disputed, at least by Iran, by arguing, well, we sent drones in the beginning, but we haven't since then. And regardless, I I, I don't even know if I believe that. I have no doubt that Iran has been helping in, in, in many different ways with groups that are actively fighting against what they perceive as a threat to them, too. What's interesting to me is that it doesn't matter. You're talking about an ally providing weaponry in a war to its ally. Is that not what the U.S. government does all around the world and, in fact, does illegally in not wartime with very, 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 very bad people all the time? But, of course, when their allies help each other, that's terrorism when it's the people we don't like. It's just ridiculous the way this is framed. But the interesting part about this is how they're now pulling in Iran to the conversation. And what they're doing, that's been used to stop the discussions of the JCPOA. Like, ever, like anybody ever believed that Biden was different than Trump, and that they weren't going to do the same agenda. It's all narrative. It's all speaking about, we're going to stop the war. In- or we're going to, what was it? The, oh, Venezuela, we're going to do this with Iran. And all these things don't come to pass. Even the Afghanistan conversation. It's not what it appears to be. If you really believe the U.S. government is not active in Afghanistan, you're not paying attention. There are mercenaries. There are people involved. They have their own people on the ground that they've been training. It's all an illusion, guys just like everything else we continue to see. This, is my opinion, is about drawing Iran into the conversation so it can be argued that, I mean, look at what they've been doing with the the phantom of Iran for a decade. Israel just bombs wherever it wants and just goes, Iran was there. No one needs to prove it. Nobody even cares or question it. They just go, oh, okay, Iran, bad guy. Here we go. Now it's perfect. Now Iran's on the ground in, in Ukraine. I mean, that's essentially what they're doing. And what Ukraine's saying is they want the world to recognize the, the narrative we're spinning, that that is the case, because we said so. Well, sure enough, they go, okay, you said so? We agree, because that's what we do now, is we blindly regurgitate whatever Ukraine says is happening. Iran must recognize the consequences of complicity. Now they're threatening Iran. That's actually what's happening. They're saying, oh, well, the consequences of your complicity, which means what? Arming their ally. Right, exactly. So now it becomes a dirty thing that you're helping them in a war that they're involved in, just like the other side is doing, right? But there's consequences to that. Now, what does that mean? What's gonna What's gonna happen now? Is is Ukraine going to argue that Iran is now a target? I mean, you can see how wildly this can spin out of control, and I think that's exactly the point. But here's an interesting part about this: is they're trying to draw Iran at the same time they're arguing that there's all these like they're they're literally stoking divide in Iran and trying to pretend like there's they're making it. They're trying to, I guess, try regime change. I don't think it's actually working. I think people can see that it's not what it appears to be, especially Iranians. That's how. I think they've lost their influence, the US government around the world in a really obvious way. But as Hadi points out, as they're screaming about these people that are doing bad and claiming it's just it's freedom protests, exactly the opposite of when, you know, Trump says good people on both sides kind of a thing, that we have the example of people being burned alive in the streets in Iran and they're like fighting for freedom. We support that. It's like, it, it could be some of it. And I do believe it started that way, but I don't think that's what's happening now as Robert's written about, as he points out here, massive millions of patriotic iranians in 900 cities (laughs) it's crazy are taking the streets and this by the way was on the fourth to mark the anniversary of the u.s embassy takeover and to oppose the violent foreign-backed riots because they clearly see this is a u.s saudi kind of manipulation the media won't show you this anti-government riots couldn't even fill one street look at how gigantic this is there's a reason they're not showing you this and they are standing up against this. And the reality is that this is the majority of people that can clearly see through what the U S has done in Iran in the past. That's why you see the woman funded by the CIA and a bunch of Kurdish followers and M E K being driven into the street to act like they're everybody in Iran and the KJP type stand up and dutifully go everybody in Iran. And we support them while ignoring things like this. And this is, it says, this is how the Western Saudi funded and trained thugs attack Iranian police. Now, is this is everybody. No, I will not be as stupid as they are and do the same thing in reverse. I don't know if this is everybody on the street, but I do know based on the research so far that the the majority of what we see in these big protests are quite violent, and that's that's reported by local people. It's reported by everybody except the media who wants to frame this as a freedom peace rally. Right. Last Friday, these killers attacked three officers, the police. Right. So the the, the authorities on the ground, that the U.S. government, pretend they're fighting for or with. As the officer, officers retreated into the police vehicle, they called on the riders to stop. They were then beaten badly and repeatedly stabbed by these people. These are the people that the U.S. government are supporting. and In, in this case, this is what we're talking about. Is it everybody? I don't know. But these are some of the people involved with the protest that they're blindly supporting. Yeah, you know, good people fighting for freedom, you know. Now, at the end of the day, people have their opinions, but what we're seeing here is violence. Belligerent, unjustified violence against a police officer who was trying to move, trying to go away. That's what they're supporting. And by and large, according to Robert, plenty of others reporting on this is what we're ultimately seeing. Now, on top of all of this, guess what? Let's not let's pretend like it's totally not connected to the calls for Iran to be in, they're involved in Ukraine and the U.S. acts. The United States sends military aircraft towards Iran. That's meant to be a threat. After receipt, recent reports that Iran is preparing an attack on Saudi Arabia, and we already reported this, all this is spinning out. Of, none of this is verified. None of it. The United States sent warplanes towards, the, towards Iran, according to the Washington Post, according to AZ Paul, geopolitics. And the reality is that this is meant to be a threat based on the narrative they're spinning by acting like, well, Ron's doing this, and they're threatening that, and they're doing this in Ukraine. Well, that's what you said, and then you're pointing at your own statements to justify more action. That's exactly like the FBI leaking reports to the media that are pointing at those reports as proof, or rather as evidence that justifies their investigation. Well, the evidence is evidence because you leaked it to them. Then you pointed it to justify what you want. It's the same idea. We're, we are played by these people at every possible moment. Now, here... The point that I was going to tell you about Israel to finish this off. Now, this is the frustrating part about this. As they're all arguing, oh, we're fighting against bad guys and extremism and all the stuff they're pointing at, right? Oh, the evil right and their extremism. Except we support Ukraine and their wildly extremist, open menta- openly extremist mentality. And they support Israel, who just enshrine even more so that they are actively supporting the extremist mentality. Now, here's an important point to make. Like I always say, that we, that just, like in the, just like in any country you could point at, that, that the government, if powerful enough, in, if influential enough, can influence people to adopt their extremist views. I, I've maintained for the longest time that by and large, the Zionist mentality is the problem here. There's plenty of Jewish people that do not agree with the government and in fact, actively and aggressively speak out against the kind of things that they're doing. So to make this just about Jewish people is ridiculous. Now, but that being said, what we're talking about is a country in Israel, occupied Palestine, but talking about Israel and the Jewish population therein. And as well as the people that are, I actually, as far as I understand it, most Palestinians by and large can't even vote in this context or aren't allowed to in certain ways or certainly restricted. But the bottom line is the vote, 70% plus of the Jewish community, absolutely voted for the extremist, openly racist party. So that has to be taken into consideration. That is just the reality. So ask yourself what that means, but realize that there's a lot of other people in there that do not agree with that. So the still, the idea that we could just broad brush the, the, this or that is just, it's it's meant to be divisive and it's meant to be, what's the right word? Subjective, I guess, or just broad. Like they want to take, include everything the same way that the, the left or Biden is saying that MAGA is all this. It's the same thing. We need to connect the dots on how these same ploys are used around the world. But this is important. Now, oh, oh, I forgot to grab those links. Uh, I'll, I'll grab them as I go. Oh, they're right here. Perfect. Ah, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, that's frustrating. Well, I'll do my best. I had it highlighted for those in the podcast. I'm sure I could pick out the parts I wanted. <laughs> I'm really, 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 trying to suppress my frustration. Okay. This was written on the sixth article entitled Netanyahu election victory will mean massive escalation in Palestine-Israel conflict. Now it says the former Israeli prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu came out of Israel's latest round of elections with a comfortable majority over his center right wing adversaries with the aid of fellow far right alliances as part of the Netanyahu block. Now, it says, yeah, this election it's reportedly surpassing 70% of the people came out to vote. Now, of course, this is Netanyahu, Netanyahu right? The, uh, the person, uh, the last person I want to see in power, who still right now is facing ongoing corruption charges and trial. <laughs> Ask yourself how it's even possible, how it's seemingly been ongoing for an endless period of time, multiple corruption allegations, and now he's being reelected. What does that tell you? But the point is that he is... Going along with some very, very unsavory characters. Now, the point was it says, Oh, I'm realizing there's some weird text stuff right there. In any case, it says, The Israeli prime minister and ruling party has meant that they must put themselves at the mercy of smaller parties and make concessions because of how their uh, coalition based system works. It says, in order to, Netanyahu's Lucid Party represents a far right brand of Zionism. They've, and by the way, it's interesting, isn't it, that the, they're rep, they're supporting the far right version over there, but acting like far right is the problem here and Ukraine Nazis over there acting like they're fighting white supremacy over here. Like, how do we know this is ridiculous, very transparent. In fact, the inverse. But it says. Uh, we're talking about the, the party religious Zionism. And it says, whilst the fanatical right-wing majority of the voters continue to make countless irrational arguments against what they call the left in Israel, referring to uh, uh, Yair Lapid and his allies, one talking point they're currently espousing is absolutely correct. The people of Israel have spoken. The Jewish-Israeli population turned out in large numbers to vote in the last round, and the majority chose to elect a fanatical racist alliance. And this is not an opinion, guys. These people, and I'll show you what I mean. It's outspoken. Uh, Let's see try to find the spots before I I just want to read through it. It'll take too long. It's saying the third largest list was the, was uh, this that was was elected to the true Knesset, which is uh, Netanyahu's uh, party. It says was religious Zionism filled with ideologues that represent the most radical fascistic version of Zionist belief before explaining, uh, it's right here, the religious Zionism and its potential impacts. The two central characters, Ben Gavir and Bezalel, I don't want to mispronounce his last name, who brought together their parties to form the Strong Alliance to see today. Oh, I guess he's going to say it a few times, though. It's Smotrick. Smotrick of the National Unity Tukma Party has called for segregated maternity wards. These are, the, these are the people that your government supports while they're calling for equity, sustainability and non-racism, right? That's the reality. Well, of course, what well, it's, it's interesting dynamic is we can see that they're essentially trying to act like they don't support Netanyahu. Right, or acting like some of these left individuals in the U.S. are upset about what happened in Israel. But the point Robert makes in here is that it's obvious this was where it was going, and they knew this, and they supported it it's up to now, but they make these kind of false arguments about why they're upset about it now. But it goes on to say, he made arguments, says, they've called for segregated maternity wards to keep Jews away from Arabs. Openly, This openly discussed, he says that Jews are forbidden by God from selling property to Arabs. This is the party Netanyahu just won with. And he also is so extreme that the leading pro-Israel group in the United Kingdom, the Board of Deputies of British Jews, told him to leave the UK for his hate-provoking ideology when touring Jewish communities there. But he just got elected in Israel, and the U.S. government supports him. Now, uh, Itamar Ben-Gavir of the Jewish Power Party, which is actually what it's called, I mean, it's just so ridiculous, on the other hand, is an extremist activist, Former uh, Koch party member and disciple of uh, Mir Kahan. Kahan's followers are today called Kahanists, which subscribe to their former leader's fascist anti-Arab ideology. Mir Kahan's Koch party was so extreme that it was banned from the Israeli Knesset in 1988 for being literally, quote, manifest racist, manifestly racist, and was later prescribed prescribed as a terrorist organization in both Israel and the United States, but is now in power with Netanyahu, right now, with Netanyahu. Ben Gavir, or excuse me, the the guy who's aligned with that ideology. Ben Gavir took over as leader of the Jewish Power Party, replacing its colleague, Ben Zion Gopstein, who was banned from running for the Knesset over extreme racist remarks. These are the people with power. Gopstein remains... An ally of Ben Gavir and heads up the Lahava group, which advocates against mixing mixed marriage marriages between Jews and Arabs. Lahava is also involved in the organizing of the infamous "Death to Arab" marches, which happen all the time. They're openly chanting this. Remember the guy who got who got the end carved in his dead body? These are the kind of people we're talking about. Now, Gavir owns a home in an illegal settlement where he's got a photo of this person who allegedly massacred 29 Palestinians in his home on his wall. Ben-Gavir's record of racist statements against Palestinians and Arabs is never-ending. He's admitted to being indicted 53 times on charges from supporting a terrorist group to racism and violence against Arabs. The Jewish, powder, pa, Jewish Power Party was labeled as, quote, racist and reprehensible by none other than AIPAC in 2021, if you can believe that. The pro-Israel anti-defamation league, the ADL, has actually now warned that the Religious Zionism Alliance, which just was elected, will hurt Israel globally. Why? Because it shows you what they're openly believing. Oh, outward racism towards the Palestinians. Ben Gavir and, and uh, Smotrick are, and just so it's clear, this is not my opinion. Guys, this is stated, that they're openly espousing these ideas, but for me to point it out and call that racist, then in turn gets me called racist. That's how Orwellian and broken everything is today. They're Apparently they're vying for leading cabinet positions with Netanyahu's government which uh, it says, which neither of them uh, seem to be backing down on, meaning that they will have a direct impact on Tel Aviv's policy. The Religious Zionism Alliance's major policy positions include overhauling the judicial system. Great. Introducing a death penalty for Palestinians who kill Jews, but not the other way around. Introducing immunity laws for Israeli soldiers so that they cannot be prosecuted for war crimes. Annexing the illegal Israeli settlements in the West Bank into Israel, which is still illegal, always has been deporting Palestinian citizens of Israel for disloyalty to the Jewish state and stripping them of their Israeli citizenship in addition to introducing long-term prison sentences for illegal immigrants. The list goes on with a 10-point plan put forth by Religious Zionism, which even includes changing the Jewish law of return to literally prevent people who have been o- who only have one Jewish grandparent but are not a Jew by Jewish law from becoming an Israeli citizen. Right, because it's not completely about a supremacist mindset at all, right? Hey, this is wild. You can check this all for yourself. I hope that you do. I'm going to leave it there just so I don't want to keep you know, trying to read through it all. But the bottom line is, guys, that this isn't... Oh, here, that, let me get the other one too. Just like so that was what I was trying to open when I lost all my highlighting. Right here. The point is, these are... Human rights organizations, the leading human rights organizations around the world, Israeli apartheid, a threshold crossed. cross, excuse me. Here's Amnesty International, Israel's apartheid against Palestinians. On top of that, let's see, how do you spell it? Here we go. Here's B'Tselem, all right? These are, in my, these are three of the leading human rights organizations in the world. A regime of Jewish supremacy from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is apartheid. But apparently, it's racist to point out what the leading human rights organizations are proving. This is this is what they support. While acting like they're fighting these things around the world, we're being gamed. If you believe that at all. Now to finish with the Ukraine part of it, as they're still pushing all of this, acting like they're fighting this stuff, Ukraine prepares for nuclear strike by Russia. Like I had a laughed out loud when I read this today. Like, this whole conversation has just dissipated. You know why? Because Russia came out in a very smart move and said, nuclear missiles are off the table. Nuclear bombs are not going to be used by us, which completely screwed up their narrative, doesn't it? So now what are they going to do? He's lying. Of course, that's what they say, right? But they clearly, and so the point is, all they can do is act like they're still concerned because they pretend that's what's going to happen based on literally nothing other than what Zelensky claims. That's it. That's the point. The Ukraine held exercises on Tuesday to prepare for a nuclear strike as fears about the use of these weapons continue to grow. <laughs> why exactly would they continue to grow when literally the conversation's not even being had as much and he already pulled them off the table? Because they need this to keep the, the fear mongering going. Ukraine's Western region announced its telegram channel that drills were to be held to eliminate the consequences of a nuclear strike. So now we're holding drills to keep the narrative going because we're scared about things that are not happening. It says officials also discussed the use of personal protective equipment, right? Because masks will stop you from dying a nuclear holocaust, right? But make sure they wear masks, though, right? Let's, let's not pretend they're talking about hazmat suits or even like, like, that that would even do anything. The point is it comes days after Putin oversaw his military carrying out nuclear exercises, they, they say, in Russia, which simply included the launching of missiles. Right. So that's them going nuclear stuff because we say that's what he wants to do. The bottom line is even the New- New- Newsweek was forced to put the truth in here. The Russian leader has warned about his readiness to use all means available to fend off attacks on Russian territory. So you're literally saying his statement about how he will defend himself if you bomb him is him threatening nuclear war. Does he, I mean, that's, that, that's the best you can do. Zelensky, Newsweek, media, government, that's pathetic. At the very least, lie, say he threatened this, which is what you do elsewhere. No, he says I'll do whatever it takes to defend myself, and that's 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 him threatening nuclear war. Got it. U.S. President Biden added to this, so understand that's that's what he says. I'll I I said that from the beginning because it was the truth. All he said was I reserve the right to defend myself. Whether the U.S. government says we'll do whatever it takes first or not or whatever, we'll, we reserve the right to strike first with nuclear weapons. They still maintain that. Biden speaks up and says, Putin's not joking about his threats to escalate war, (laughs) his threats by saying, I'll defend myself if you bomb me. That's what he just said. Here's his actual quote. And I read this before he and this is being reiterated by Biden. He's not joking when he talks about potential use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological and chemical weapons. Oh, you mean two things that weren't even mentioned? So he's not joking when he doesn't mention the things that you claim he's going to use. How do you possibly make sense of that? He says, because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. Ah, so you lie about what's happening so you can pretend that he's losing. Therefore, that's why he's going to bomb nuclear. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't actually strategically even make sense. I don't think there's any such thing as the ability to easily use tactical weapons. That's exactly what Putin just said. But well, you just claimed he escalated the conversation. And is about to use chemical weapons because why not? Why not just throw in anything else too, right? Let's throw in some EMFs. Why not? Or excuse me, EMPs? Because <laughs> he didn't say that either. You might as well claim he threatened those too. Experts at the university for the study of war. Oh, great! Let's let the experts at the, at the university chime in. A U.S. defense and foreign affairs think tank. Ooh, those are the, those. How, historically, what have they given us? They kind of tend to just toe the line, don't they? Because that's where their money comes from. Assessed this week that the Kremlin started this month to tone down its rhetoric. Don't you love this? So we need a paid think tank for the U.S. government to tell us what we all just saw. That Putin said, I'm not going to use those things. So they then ask the experts, what do you think? They go, oh, he toned down his rhetoric, Bob. Thanks, guys. Well done. <laughs> I mean, it's just the stupidest thing in the world, but they want you to think it's official. So we have to think tanks what you all just saw quote, the Kremlin's rhetoric shift indicates that senior Russian military commanders and elements of the Kremlin are likely to some extent aware of the massive costs for little operational gain. Russia would incur for the use of nuclear weapons against Ukraine or NATO. And yet that's the statement But Biden comes out and goes, Putin's escalating war and chemical weapons and everything else you could possibly threaten for and with. And let me, read the statements they wrote for me their argument is to say that he's aware of the extent of the cost which is by the way what he said when he said we weren't going to use these this is like that's not insight you're repeating what he said publicly but this is being framed as some kind of think tank insight because we wink wink know what the kremlin thinks and this is okay so if that's the case why are we being told there's a threat ah okay just don't think too hard into it. The Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs said in a statement on November 2nd that Russia is strictly, quote, and consistently guided by the postulate that of the inadmissibility of nuclear war in which there can be no winner and which there must be never be unleashed. And that, from, from Biden's perspective, means he's going to bomb everybody because, didn't you hear me, just said so. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that the Washington and Moscow have held talks aimed at lowering the rhetoric around his potential use... <laughs> It just said that it's not even on the table. I, I can't even do this anymore. Like it's just so I, they are yelling things to nobody. Everybody can see this. There's either people that want to buy what they're selling because it's fun or because they're invested in a narrative or they're too stupid to see it. The bottom line is nobody. This is like reading. I don't even know. Crayon on a. On a child's drawing book. I mean, my God, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And they pretend like they're controlling the conversation. Now, cloud points out at the end, corporate media is, by this point, literally a threat to the survival of humanity, right? So here they are hyping up the threat of nuclear strikes by Russia, despite him overtly in every possible way, saying that's not going to happen. We know that's going to hurt everybody. We're not going to do that. You could lie, of course. But they frame that as him threatening nuclear war. That's how stupid this is. And this is what the U.S. media puts out. The U.S. should show it can win a nuclear war. Right. But Putin's the threat for saying he won't do that. But wink, wink, we know what he really feels. (laughs) It's a dumpster fire. These people are pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And if I have that still, that's a good place to play that. I'm looking really quickly. But we we remember how they've even come out through this process and said, well, you know, we kind of lie. And, you know, it doesn't have to be great intelligence just for us to push the narrative. Because they are. They are a dumpster fire.
0: NBC News national security correspondent Ken Delaney and live in Washington.
2: They're also suggesting that Ukraine has biological and chemical weapons in Ukraine. That's a clear sign he's considering using both of those. Talking about That was based on declassified intelligence. But we're also told the intelligence wasn't very clear about what exactly was going on. And they decided to, dis- to disclose it as a way of deterring uh Russia from doing that and putting the world on notice we've never seen this level of information warfare before from the US government another example was when they announced that Russia had gone to China uh to ask for help with what with getting some weapons that hasn't come to pass yet and it was one
0: US official telling you it doesn't even have to be solid intelligence when we talk about it
1: Yeah, pretty bad. You know, another way to say that is lying. Go ahead, Ken. Say it along with me. Lying. We lied about that to achieve what we wanted to achieve. That's also the way to say that, or the honest way to say that. How pathetic is that? I mean, like, like truly ridiculously pathetic. And this guy, Ken Delaney, by the way, which the articles were on the screen for those in the podcast, where they've admitted working with the CIA. So this guy's just a joke. But the point is, what he's saying there is in the beginning, like the floating information. Or uh, now I forget it. There was a point that he said in there that I thought was interesting. Hold on, sorry, play the beginning. C.
0: News National Security Correspondent Ken Delaney and live in Washington.
2: They're also suggesting that Ukraine has biological and chemical weapons in Ukraine.
1: That's a clear sign he's considering. Right. So the point was that so Biden's sit- literally saying that there are signs that they have these things there, and that's a clear sign that he's going to use them. Like that's a clear sign to buy. Well, for for Biden, maybe that is a clear sign. But the frustrating part about this is that they're they're just they're towing these. And it goes to the point of what they said, what Ken said, what it boils down to is we're willing to float things we have no clue are true or not to kind of suss the truth out is what they want you to think. But it's really about selling a narrative. So if that's the case, which they just admitted to then what Biden just said is part of the same game. What they're saying today is part of the same game. That's the narrative they maybe think is happening or maybe they want you to think is happening. So they, they throw it out there. Smith, the Smith Munt Moderate, Modernization Act, right? All these conversations about normalizing propaganda. It's right there. They willfully lie to you. And here's one of the most important examples of how we've been lied to in general. And this is gigantically important. Josh uh, Gutzkau. Cow. Sociologist, criminologist, human being, being human. <laughs> That's funny. Writes very importantly Kaiser Permanente study showing almost complete uselessness of continued COVID vaccination, or in general, by the way, against Omicron or negative efficacy compared to unvaccinated. Very important. First, on his post, he writes over three, this is the, the study itself, and I'll show you next. Over 300,000 COVID cases were examined by Kaiser Permanente from November 2021 to March 2022. And he said, there's really no words to, 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 to express this. It'll just He used the sheet, the spreadsheet to show you. And I'll, I'll show you the study next. Here's what he wrote down. It's an easy way to... when you can look at all this for yourself and you can check it with the study itself. And I have a few parts that I'll show you. But this is incredible. First of all, based on the Omicron breakdown, 11,000 Omicron infections were essentially required to produce just one death. One. Which makes COVID 10 times they wrote it as safer than the flu or otherwise... The flu, being 10, COVID being t- uh, the flu being 10 times more dangerous than COVID. Which is just, I mean, my God, Omicron, 10 times less dangerous than the flu. And they're forcing this on people right now. Now, by the way, as I've maintained before, I do not even think that the previous discussions were ever, that's why I started out with that, showing you the PCR manipulation, the flu and pneumonia combination. I mean, everything under the sun was used to hype these numbers. So it was never that dangerous, if at all, or even present. Guys, we have to realize that the bottom line is that this was hyped in the beginning using the Imperial College of London model on top of everything else, hyping the threat and the fear, and then just using unprovable comments about long COVID or any children being at risk or anything else they could just to scare people into keeping it going. Here we are. Next part, no protection against hospitalization at all. From people with three doses at all. We're talking statistically based on these 300, 300 cases they looked into. Like that, that's, that's, that's a peer reviewed study on nature.com, but it doesn't mean that it's the absolute because we're honest enough to, to say that. I mean, there's, we have to factor in all the other studies as well, but the bottom line is this is a huge, and new study done that does clearly find based on that many cases that there's zero protection, which lines up with everything else we're seeing. Next part. An anomalous 13-fold increase in COVID lethality from one month to the next, which that's not really explained per se, but what it does show you is that I think they're lying about the risk. I mean, you can can question however you want, but at the very least it exposes some sort of data problem, doesn't it? Now, I contend it's not a problem, right? Because otherwise you would have seen similar problems in every other category. This was a choice, in my opinion, to make it look more dangerous. No survival benefit to COVID vaccination. No survival benefit to COVID vaccination. Highly significant increased ventilation among the vaccinated. And it says, um, oh, and then the main point right here, this is this. And he does mention it on his post right here too, the bottom. He says Kaiser Permanente studies showing essentially complete uselessness of continued COVID vaccination against Omicron. And in a few cases showing superiority to remaining unvaccinated. Now, that's what it says here, in my opinion. It doesn't seem to be just a few cases. June 8th, of course, you know, because, you know, trust the science crowd ignores what they don't like. That's why it's from June 8th and we're only just finding it. Clinical outcomes associated with SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant and the other variant, sub variant infection in Southern California. It says epidemiological surveillance has revealed decoupling of COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths from case counts after the emergence of Omicron. Uh, severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2 variant globally. What does that mean? That the surveillance has shown that the risk of death and hospitalization from COVID has decoupled, disconnected itself from association with the cases. Meaning if you get sick with this as a case, there's no connection to increased risk of hospitalization and death. That's what this study finds. That kind of seems to indicate that it might not even be what we're talking about, doesn't it? How do potty possibly decouple the, the, the problem from the outcome? It's a good question. It either means that it's basically benign at this point, or there's some kind of weird problem going on that we're being lied to about. But the next part says, Here we show that Omicron variant infections were associated with substantially reduced risk of progression to severe clinical outcomes so even if you buy their narrative to now the point is that right this moment there is literally no just no justification to taking something that increases your risk of myocarditis x1 in 3500 for moderna's discussion if you have basically no risk then it goes on this is the most important part to me this reduced severity could not be explained by differential history of prior infection among individuals with Omicron or Delta variant infection and was starkest among individuals not previously vaccinated against COVID. So the point is, the reduced severity was the most stark, the most apparent and obvious in the people who didn't have injections. Well, what do you know? It's exactly what we've been saying. The people that aren't injected are faring far better. The people that are, are having an increased risk in problems. The point is, this is just in the context of the low, relatively low risk Omicron for anybody problem, right? So all that's showing you is the people, whatever risk they claim is for Omicron is just a lot higher of those that have injections, but in general, low risk for everybody. But that doesn't factor in the waterfall of increased problems that the injection are causing on top of that. The, um, the myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, spells, palsy. I mean, you can go on forever. And the point is all these things are being shown. And then on top of all of that, there's unexplainable SIDS and SADS and MSI, MISC and all these things they pretend we don't know about. Fibromyalgia, things we can't prove are even there, but we're just lumping things in together. All of that is the problem. That's the real risk. And it always has been, in my opinion, these injections are being called what's happening today. And that's the problem is these people are struggling. Now, maybe that's part of what's factoring into this. and They're not factoring that in. I don't know. But at the end of the day, if you have no injections in your body, based on the study, you are faring far well. And most everybody is not really at risk from COVID. So you're injecting yourself with something that wildly increases your risk because you were played. Lower risk of severe clinical outcomes among individuals with Omicron variant infection should inform public health response amid establishment of the Omicron variant as the dominant lineage. Low risk of severe outcomes with people with Omicron variant infection. It's what's happening right now. They claim anyway. Read it all for yourself. Bottom line is, we're being lied to, and every single day, more peer-reviewed research comes out that says blatantly what they're saying the opposite about on the current discussion on corporate media right now. How they even pretend they can maintain the the mantra of trust the science is beyond me. I mean, it's pathetic. There's by far more studies right now coming out showing this stuff than anything else they're saying. They just grasp onto that one preprint study that says the one thing they want, which is funny because that's what they were saying about us before, even though... That's not what I've ever been doing. So I don't know what they were talking about. But as Dr. Claire Craig points out as well, really important thread, German intensive care data shows no residual protection. And the point is for people, the unvaccinated, unvaccinated people disappearing from intensive care units. What do you know? In January 2022, in this case, now I I would want to dive into this to, to, to basically find out whether or not these patients were actually there as unvaccinated or if they had one shot in their body and so on right because you know that game is being played but it's the second part that's important but it says in january 2022 60 percent of covid patients in intensive cares were unvaccinated but that wasn't the case by the way in ontario i can i prove that every day so see this is just one area they're focusing on in germany i guess either way though it says now today 88.4 percent are vaccinated now they're going to play the game where they say it's because everybody's fully vaccinated. Well, okay, if that's the case, then why wasn't it like that in January? Right? It's, it's just, they, you can't just play it however you want and accept what you want when you want to. The problem is obviously that right now, by and large, the people with injections are having the worst case problem. And I actually don't even think it's because of Omicron. I think it's because of what they put in their body. and I think you guys agree with that. Either way, this is obvious. And here, is what Gert Vandenbosch just wrote. And I think he called this. I'm skeptical of anybody in these positions, but the bottom line is he called this and it seems to be happening. November 2nd, he writes, My last and desperate call for action as Omicron now causes fast and large-scale immune escape in vaccinees. Now I know the ones that believe that they, you know, there's nothing there, which is a valid concern right now that I consider myself, would call this as shill and fake and whatever else. And you might be right. But before you just dismiss it, just listen to it and consider it. You know, always being questioned, you know, questioning whether you also could be wrong. That's just intelligent. Even if you still walk away going, I'm right, I think I'm right. To be able to, in the moment, stand back and go, I could be wrong. Let's engage with this as if that's the case. That's just general intelligence, guys. Understand that. So do your best to engage with everything as if you might be correct. And then question it. That's the reality. Now, this is interesting because what we see happening, at least on the narrative weirdly like the secondary narrative the point is that they're i argue eventually this is going to come out where they argue it's a problem they blame it on somebody maybe trump reg- regardless of getting too deep and meta on the, the whether or not but the point is simply that he's arguing at the omicron discussion and the vaccines they continue to give and he was pr- very it was pointing at the bivalent real early in this conversation and saying that the bivalent was going to do this right he says in the past it is past five past twelve My last and desperate call. Why are mutational escape researchers not ringing the alarm bell? Because that's his point, Is they know this too. Just like we point out the leaky vaccine conversation and what they're, it's obvious. It's always been the case. Just like masks not working was always the case until they brainwashed a bunch of, you know, especially especially vocal people on Twitter to act like they were the majority and shout down anybody saying masks didn't work, right? The same thing. We knew how this worked. We knew that the injections and the, and, and the allowance to be able to spread while injections are in your body are what create the variants, based on past research. Because there's something new that has to find a way around. That's it's logic. But the point is, what they're saying here, or what he's seeing here, is quote to ignore the impact of COVID nineteen mass vaccination experiment on the evolutionary dynamics of the immu- immunobiology of SARS CoV two is a poor way to proceed. That what they're doing is driving the change, and maybe that's the case. Omicron now causes fast and large-scale immune escape in, specifically, people who take the injections. Even scientists can contract willful blindness. Yeah, you know, whether that's what's happening or they're choosing not to see it. I guess the same point, willful blindness. Full of non-severe immune escape is great food for publications for variant spotters. Nobody sees the forest for the trees. However, nobody dares to mention that this immune selection pressure has become more and more obvious, just like the excess death. Regardless, I guess you guys can read this for yourself. The point is, he's saying that what's happening is expected, potentially to the point to where he argues maybe this is what he's getting at, that they know that's what's going to happen. However you look at it, guys, it's obvious that we're being played. And, I mean, it's what's interesting is the midterm discussion... Where's all the conversation about what is the most talked about thing happening, right? I mean, discussion of the future of where we're going, the Great Reset, technocracy, pandemics. I mean, literally everybody has an opinion, and we're not even hearing that talked about. There's so many obvious examples about how, you know, what's really important to what's happening right now. And the most important thing I think they need to achieve through the show, phantom, you know, no, nobody behind the curtain kind of discussion of the midterms. Is keeping you divided and attacking each other. That's it. As long as they can keep you on different sides, I'm with this side, I'm with that side. They are succeeding in some way. I'm not saying don't go vote if you think you should vote. As I've always maintained, I've written articles about it. Abstaining from a broken process is actually voting. Going in, and but I've made this many times, I've made this point many times. There's supposed to be an option for abstention. You're supposed to be able to go in and literally, and, and, legally abstain and that's supposed to be counted why we just we just talked about a u.n vote where two the the uh, brazil and ukraine abstained those were counted why aren't yours counted if i go in and abstain from a vote that's supposed to be counted and listed on the tv like everything else there's a very clear reason they don't want you thinking that's a possibility just like they pretend jury jury nullification doesn't exist because it puts the power in your hands because if we go out there and literally everybody abstains because we all agree this is broken What does that show the rest of the world? Of course, they could then lie about it like they do anyway, but there's ways this can create change. So if you believe the system is broken, if you believe that neither side has your best interest at heart, then go out there and vote that way and write down abstention and and make sure they see it and go ask the guy at the poll, why aren't you able to scan this one in? I want to abstain. You know as well as I, it's a valid choice. Oh, I know. The problem won't have an answer, but... The, re- the reason is we need to be able to publicly show people that there is no actual option here, if you believe that. But do what you believe is right. I think at the end of the day, as long as you're speaking the truth and standing up, I hope you will eventually see what I think I see, or what I know that I see, but what, you know, you should question me as always. I hope that people will eventually realize that the, the power game that's being played here, it's ultimately about cons- you consenting to allowing these people to make choices on your behalf, And if you look around the world and see what they've done with that, whichever side was in power, just go back 10 years, go back to 12 years. It's very clear that they, one, don't care about people and lives and the things they pretend to get you to vote for them. And on top of that, they use your consent, right? The authority they act on to carry out things that would make, that would keep you up at night. If you truly understand what people have reported about what happened in Iraq, Afghanistan, Venezuela, Bolivia, Syria, every one of these places. I mean, it's horrific. Just ask some of the journalists that actually choose to report on it. Look at who they're funding right now in Ukraine, both sides. I hope people can see through it. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.
2: I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine, and they should be.
3: We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a
0: vaccine that might cause harm to us. If
2: and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done.
0: Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it?
3: Well. I think that's going to be an issue for all of us.
2: When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. Is the vaccine safe? Uh, frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. And I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency.
0: Would you trust that vaccine? There's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald
2: Trump's mouth.
3: We cannot take for granted this process will be free of political
2: influence. I don't trust the president and I don't trust the FDA. If Donald Trump can't give answers and his administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence you're going to say to the american people now here's a vaccine it was new it was done quickly but trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe i will say that i would
0: not trust
2: donald trump
1: how confident are you in the approval process of the
2: fda right now how confident am i uh i'm not that confident
0: yes i would be hesitant
2: but i'm gonna ask a lot of questions you're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. You've got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's a consensus this is a safe vaccine.
0: What I'm worried about is that
2: there's some sort of October surprise and that there is a pressure put on the decision makers here to announce the
0: vaccine in October
2: of 2020. We're going to put together our own group of doctors and medical experts to review the vaccine and the efficacy and the protocol. And if they say it's safe, then I'll go to the people of New York and I will say it's safe.
3: But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it.